0: The shameful failure of yesterday's Supreme Court 14th Amendment arguments. The single most astonishing thing about yesterday's oral arguments before the Supreme Court was the almost complete lack of historical context in those arguments about an insurrectionist staying on the ballot. The fear that led Colorado to ban Trump from the ballot was that he'd kept his word, and was that he'd keep his word and suspend the Constitution and be a dictator on day one. Neither were mentioned even once. The words "suspend" and "dictator" don't appear anywhere in the transcript, and yet that is exactly what provoked Pennsylvania Congressman Thaddeus Stevens, Michigan Senator Jacob Howard, and New York Senator Roscoe Conklin, and twelve others, to write and push through Congress the Fourteenth Amendment. The Confederate states had ceased to be a democracy in any real sense by the late 1830s, as I detail in the hidden history of American oligarchy, with the wealthiest families in each of those states running them like dictatorial fiefdoms. When their political or economic power was challenged, they were not at all reluctant to beat, imprison, or even lynch poor or working-class whites. Much like today's Russia, no dissent was tolerated. If somebody tried to launch a serious political challenge against one of the Old South's oligarchs during that era, they most frequently ended up dead or being burned out of their home. Compounding this, Lincoln had made the horrible mistake of taking a slaveholder, Andrew Johnson, as his second-term vice president, a largely futile effort at healing the nation. And when Lincoln was assassinated the following year and Johnson became president, Congress freaked out. On the Supreme Court... Both Chief Justice Roger Taney and Associate Justice Samuel Nelson were in poor health. Taney had authored the notorious Dred Scott decision and had earlier owned enslaved people, and Nelson's tuition through law school was paid by his father selling one of his family's enslaved individuals. So Congress, fearing President Johnson, was preparing to appoint another Confederate sympathizer to the court, passed legislation in 1866, cutting the size of the Supreme Court from 10 to 6 members. That's how concerned they were, and how extreme an action they were willing to take to rescue the fragile democracy that the Confederate oligarchs had just recently tried to destroy. Congress, particularly the radical Republican faction Stevens represented, then eventually went to war with President Johnson and those who supported him, who bitterly opposed ratification of the Fourteenth Amendment. The landslide victory of the Republican of the Radical Republicans in the election of 1866 arguably saved the day for the amendment and helped save American democracy. The virtually none of this history was mentioned by the attorneys representing Colorado in the arguments before the court yesterday is tragic. Even worse is how the justices seemed so intent on finding technical reasons to ignore the plain language of, amend- of the Amendment Section 3. Quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or v- and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress as an o- or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. The simple reality is that the future of American democracy is as much on the line in this case as it was in 1866. That was completely lost in yesterday's arguments. It should have been central to them. So why did even the liberal wing of the court go along with this charade? Was it because, like Mitt Romney said of his Republican Senate colleagues who failed to convict Trump in his second impeachment, they were afraid for their own safety? As Romney's biographer, Atlantic writer McKay Coppins wrote, quote, one Republican congressman confided to Romney that he wanted to vote for Trump's second impeachment but chose not to out of fear for his family's safety. The congressman re- reasoned that Trump would be impeached by House Democrats with or without him. Why put his wife and children at risk if it wouldn't change the outcome? Later, during the Senate trial, Romney heard the same calculation while talking with a small group of Republican colleagues. When one senator, a member of leadership, said that he was leaning toward voting to convict, the others urged him to reconsider. You can't do that, Romney recalled someone saying. Think of your personal safety, said another. Think of your children. The senator eventually decided they were right, end quote. Were we watching the consequence of Trump's truck thuggish threats? After all, just a few weeks ago, Trump attorney Alina Haba said on Fox News of Brett Kavanaugh, quote, You know, people like Kavanaugh, who the president fought for, who the president went through how to get into place, he'll step up, end quote. Nice little house and kids you got there, Brett. Be a shame if something were to happen to them. This is how fascists and authoritarians have seized and held power for all the millennia we've had what we call civilization, by inducing terror. Just ask Ruby Friedman or Paul Pelosi, or read Shakespeare or the Bible, or talk with Alexei Navalny's wife. Did they never learn in American history class that there was a time spanning about a generation when democracy had been replaced by strongman oligarchy in the South and Trump is merely echoing the values and postures of that time? That the 14th Amendment was written to prevent or rescue us from exactly today's situation. Stevens, Howard, and Conklin went, on to their, went, went to their graves believing they'd secured America's future. Tragically, Trump's lawyers, Sam Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Clarence Sugar Baby Thomas, among others, proved they were wrong. Yesterday's hearing was a disgrace. Now that the Supreme Court has apparently failed in their responsibility, it's up to us to prevent this monster or anyone like him from ever setting foot again in the halls of American power. Make sure everyone you know is registered to vote and understands what's at stake this November.